it's possible to completely change once you're prepared to forget about what others think of you. I am so appreciative to introduce Michael Ray as the second guest of my It's Possible conversation series. Michael is a speaker, author of the book, Who Knew Gender Equality and Dad Advocate. He became a dad later in life and then a solo dad. Today, we will be talking about how his career has changed over the years and what an impact becoming a parent has had on him. We will also talk about the importance of active parenting by dads and how that can help to get to gender equality faster. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. It's so nice to see you again. Likewise. And for and, and a big hello to everybody who might be watching us live right now or who's going to watch the replay or listening to us later via the, um, the podcast episode. And there might be people who do not know you yet. And so I have started to ask my guests here on the special It's Possible um, for the Canada, uh, Canada Career Month um, conversations to introduce themselves with five facts according to the Working Out Loud method. And so could you please introduce yourself with five facts, Michael? Okay, well, I'm, I'm Michael Ray and I'm from Australia, so we'll count that as one. Um, I have a... a a Canada story. I back in 1984. I did. I was Brian Adams' personal security bodyguard when he toured Australia with the police for a concert tour. So I travelled Australia with Brian. Um, wow. That's two, three Canadians are some of my favourite people in the world. They've just got a wonderful outlook and they are so polite. Um, I hold several national records in powerlifting. And I became a father at 49 years old after what could only be described as a colourful and carefree life. How's that? That's really, really amazing. And, you know, and, as, and you, you're so perfectly leading me to my next question because you're talking about your career before you had your child. And we will talk about, um, you know, you being a parent a little bit later. But... Um, for somebody who might be early in their career and when you look back to you know where you had anticipated to be right now back then when you were 20 and when you and where you are actually right now what would you sort of you know have said what did you think yourself to be at your age and what actually happened oh uh, karen i thought I'd be lucky to be alive. I'm 60 next year. So I didn't think that far into the future. But I came from a fairly masculine, uh, you know, macho type world as a bodyguard and personal security and uh, strength and conditioning coach. So I, I traveled the world. I've worked in America and Indonesia, Australia, and a little bit in the UK as a professional strength and conditioning coach for some professional tennis players, amongst others. And that was always going to be um, no further than that. It was a, a great carefree life where I earned good money. And then you became a parent. And yes, so, 
like for somebody you know who is pre-parenting could you just sort of share the impact that had on your career and entire life well at that stage karen i was a i owned a, a couple of gymnasiums i worked myself in into that position but I'd also become a uh, strength and conditioning coach for our AFL, one of our AFL teams, which is the top tier sporting code in Australia. So the, the highest level, highest paid sports people in. And at that stage, it meant traveling with the teams on the weekends and being basically on call 24 seven to be able to train the athletes whenever they wanted. And um, suddenly fatherhood hit and I remember sitting in a in a team meeting thinking it, it just dawned on me this was a waste of my time i would rather be at home with my daughter this meeting could have easily been done by email there was no agenda set and suddenly just a, a switch had, had flicked and suddenly i thought you know what this isn't for me anymore i i want to be more involved in my daughter's life and to take the weekends away with the team when they were traveling when it made me realise there was no real need for me to be there, but the status quo dictated the strength and conditioning coach was there and there were times where I wouldn't wouldn't be needed and I just thought there's a better way to do this. So that was the beginning of the end for that career. Wow. And then, again, some of you, our listeners might not know, you became a solo dad. Yes, um, it was it was a short-term relationship that uh, led to my daughter, but we separated when she was nine months old. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with a fairly serious uh, condition that meant my future wasn't guaranteed. And as I describe in my book, uh, when I got the news from the doctor, suddenly my life, it was like my whole life had become a a burning house and there was smoke billing out the windows and flames leaping through the roof and I was forced to consider what I was prepared to dash into that house to try and save and the only thing that came to my mind was the impact that um, my demise may have on my daughter and everything else that I'd uh, built and collected and accumulated through life none of it meant anything apart from that and that's when I thought you know what um we never know what tomorrow is going to hold. We're always one diagnosis, one accident, one moment away from a completely different tomorrow than what we'd predicted. So I thought I'm just going to focus on today and try and find a way to maximise my time with my daughter while still being able to provide for her. And, you know, it's for people who have not seen or heard about your book, here, you know, you... Could you maybe describe how it then came that you started writing the book? Um, suddenly, Karen, I, I've always been aware of um, women's equality and the barriers that women face. And then suddenly um, my daughter and I, it was her and I at nine months, but it was her and I full time together at two years old. And her mother has no contact with her since then. And suddenly the barriers that women face, I realised that, well, the opposite side of the coin is men face many of the same barriers, but we don't speak out about them and they're not recognised, mainly because men aren't held equally responsible for raising the next generation. But once we are, 
those exact same barriers, flexible work, um, affordable childcare, all of those things that are framed as a women's issue, they're actually a parenting issue or more, more accurately, a, a family issue. So I was banned from uh, assisting my daughter backstage at a uh, four-year-old ballet concert simply because I was a male, which would have left my daughter as the only child backstage without a parent to share her excitement or nerves or, you know, with no support. And that's what I said. Well, then I suddenly realised that, gee, a lot of the stuff we do to actually support women actually reinforces women doing the majority of caregiving. So flexible work and all of those things, we make them easy, easily um, available to women. Men are twice as likely to have their requests for flexible work refused, which then leaves women carrying the workload of doing that. So the majority of equality initiatives, or what we call equality initiatives, were conceived and drafted in a time when men were either considered unable, unsuitable or uninterested, or all three, to be caring for children. So the male-dominated industries such as construction, transport, manufacturing are some of the least family-friendly uh, workplaces. So again, it's incorrectly framed as men not doing their share, but it's actually men aren't able to do their share because men are seen as the ideal employee because they don't have those, um, you know, obligations placed on them. And we keep making sure that we think while we're supporting women, while making sure that we can enable women to come out of the home into the workforce, but without an equal focus on men being able to come out of the workforce and into the home, it just adds more pressure onto women. So now you can have a career and care for your children because we've enabled men to have a career, but we have enabled them to care for the children. So we've just heaped more onto women in a well-meaning uh, way of, you know, it was good effort, but we didn't consider the consequences, the unintended consequences of doing it. Yeah, it's, it, it's so, you know, you are so right. It starts, unfortunately, already in many countries with parental leave where for the um, maternity leave, often when it is existent on a federal basis, it's a significantly longer time than for paternity leave if it exists. And um, as many studies have shown, it's so important to have dads involved right from the get-go. And so in your book, you describe, and we were talking earlier, I was trying to find the most perfect quote from the book but in you know i'm it's like who knew for people who have not seen the book i highly recommend it and basically i feel the reason i couldn't find a perfect quote was because so many things you describe are just so not just true but they go from so many different aspects so we were saying earlier for people who are listening, who are early in their career, one of the quotes I really, really thought was perfect was that parenting is a skill that one needs to learn. And I think often people underestimate that it indeed is a skill. It's sort of perceived to be, well, you know, anybody 
as you just said, can do unpaid care work on top of a full-time job because it's quote unquote, nothing. It's a career gap. And so maybe you could share a little bit more about what you have learned being a dad, maybe the skills you have learned and a little bit more from your book, because it's just, it's such a wonderful book reading. Um, Karen, I think we we do a great disservice where we think we're doing um, paying homage to mothers when we have these um, female fetishized images of motherhood when we've got maternal instinct and only a mother's love and mother knows best. And it downplays the skill, the hard work, the learning curve that it all is. It's not natural. It's not an instinct. And, and it's not innate um, to women. And it's definitely not innate to men. All the way through, my mantra is we need to enable, encourage, and then finally we can expect men to be held equally responsible. Well, enabling means that I know my sister, when she was a teenager, used to get lots of babysitting jobs. Boys don't get that. We considered, again, well, not quite right. So when, you know, a young girl who's had years of babysitting experience, she gains that confidence. Because we men grow up in this world that says only a mother's love and all the rest of it, we we think there's a secret source. I know I did. So I would just, well, it's just, it's natural. Well, it's not natural. It's hard work and it's a learning curve. Now, as men, we love to acquire skills and talents. We go off and we do technical courses and we work with our hands. Parenting's no different. So I went off and I, I read a bit. Some of it made sense. But because I came from a coaching and um, empowering my athletes and asking them the questions, Parenting was no different. But then I found organisations, I thought, gee, some of the best coaches and leaders I've worked with, their, their approach was exactly the same as good parenting. So great leaders and great parents don't hoard power. They're never authoritarian, they're authoritative. We give our goals, this is what we want, this is what we expect, you go off and achieve it. So it's more about asking questions. And I, I always say, if your parenting isn't questionable, you're not doing it right. And when I say questionable, I mean you've got to ask not only yourself questions, but your child. So my daughter, Charlie, will come to me and she'll say, Dad, how do I do this? And rather than me being the font of all knowledge and telling her, it's, well, how do you think? And she'll come up with something, great, give it a try, because I wanted to be self-sufficient. Just like in business, we don't want to micromanage. It's no good having people in employing people and then telling them what to do because one of the main things with diversity inclusion and I work with a lot of people in diversity inclusion they've excluded 50% of their um, population by thinking that men aren't needed in it but diversity also refers to situation and circumstance so not just gender non-binary you know race all the rest of it people from different backgrounds all have different approaches and can think of things that we would never think of. So um, that's why I say to my daughter, Bub, you've got ways of doing things that I could never imagine. So you come up with it. As long as the end result is we get what we want, you do that. And parenting doesn't have to be rigid. And what works one month, your child changes, just like the marketplace changes and just like social perceptions change and suddenly it doesn't work anymore. And I know 
my mother raised three kids. Two of them turned out okay. One was a bit dodgy. But just when I would give my mother my my child and she couldn't settle, I'd mum, come here, like I'll show you what to do. Whereas when I was with my partner, I would always, what should I do? And I would defer to her just because I had that perception and I'd been raised to believe that women just knew how to do it. And until we have an equal amount of people proclaiming and singing in the choir that say women can do anything men can do, which there's an overwhelming amount of people singing that, and rightfully so, but we don't have that same amount of voices singing and men, apart from breastfeeding and giving birth, can and should do anything that women can do we're always going to have that imbalance where men are going to feel, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. And we don't do it because we don't want to. We do it because we, we don't do it because we don't think we can. But then also we're ridiculed for it. We have microaggressions, oh, you know, can't your wife do that? You know, who wears the pants in your family? And all of these ridiculous old stereotypes that we fall into. It's it's so interesting. And, you know, just going back where you were saying that basically, you know, kids, young um, girls were able to practice babysitting. I did a LinkedIn um, post one time with a poll and I realized, you know, asking, has anybody ever seen a specific babysitting for um, boys? And nobody or, or very few people were aware of this. And I think... You're absolutely right. We need to start changing early on the perception. And I'm I'm so appreciative that, you know, with all your work, with your speaking up, with your book, you're really helping to change the perception. And so I'm curious, what do you think in about five or 10 years? Where, where, what do you like to see happen? Um, Karen, until fatherhood is spoken about in the same glowing terms as motherhood, we're always going to suffer that inertia. It's always, and that adds to mum guilt and mum shame. And, you know, until dads aren't considered as second class parents, nothing is going to change here until we get rid of the gender. And um, I, I've worked with some amazing um, same sex parents, and they're welcomed. And at the moment here in Australia, one in five single-parent households are dads. So that, that one there, that's a single dad. Wow. It is the fastest-growing family demographic in Australia is single-father households, estimated to increase 40 to 65% by uh, our 2041 census, and yet we still don't have change tables in men's toilets. We still... Here in Victoria, the first point of contact and the ongoing support hub for new parents is called the Maternal and Child Health Centre. Why isn't it called the parental? And a lot of organisations now, they've gotten rid of, they call it paternity leave or parental leave, but it's still just maternity leave restructured. Now, one of the things I would love to see is to get rid of primary and secondary caregiver because it has the potential not only to devalue and diminish the relationship between fathers and children but also between mothers and employers so 
roles change. So hands-on, all the rest of it. And if we look at the role, uh, the outcomes for the 20% of children who live in poverty, breadwinning could well be one of the most important parts of caregiving. Yet again, the misguided equality initiatives separated it. Breadwinning is separate from caregiving. And that allowed workplaces to be willfully blind to our parental responsibilities. Well, you're the breadwinner. So forget about all that caregiving stuff. We need to get rid of all of these gendered divisions, the same as we need to get rid of the binary and the non-binary and all the rest of it. And we just need to be together as parents until it's until we can change as well. Here in Australia, if I had a partner, we can go on uh, annual leave together, but we can't take parental leave together. Only one can be on it. Well, that's just ridiculous. Fathers here in Australia are entitled to two weeks or partners at two weeks minimum pay. Well, in that two weeks, what happens is mum has to recover from the birth. Right. So she, after two weeks, is she going to be ready to go back to hospital? Well, we know a C-section takes six weeks before you can even do that. So she takes on the majority of the leave. Dad goes home, comes back, and suddenly he's the assistant. I'll take Bub off. You, you can have a rest now. I'll help. Once he's assigned to that helper role, it has the potential to set the tone and trajectory for family roles and involvement for the rest of rest of his things. Because Dad says, I want to be the best partner I can, so I'll help, but I'll also take on more work so I can provide more resources. He climbs up the ladder bit further, more responsibilities at work, and suddenly his income becomes more important because he's bringing in more into the household. So when mum goes back to work, even if she was in a good position, we know the motherhood penalty, they can take, can take up to 12 years before you get back to where you were. And all of that stuff, it's just that death by a thousand cuts where it just adds to it. So we've got to get rid of this primary, secondary, breadwinner, caregiver type thing before we're going to advance anyway. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our viewers or listeners that we have not addressed yet? Um, the main, main thing, Karen, is we need to watch our language and we need to pick up. Marketing is terrible. My daughter and I were at the supermarket a little while ago and she's nine years old. At that stage, sorry, she was eight years old and she said to me, Dad, why aren't there any men on the packages? So I hadn't even realised it. And we rightfully call out the obvious sexist, um, gendered um, tropes right. that go on. But this subversive, it's insidious and it's subliminal and we don't notice it. We walked the aisles and we took photos of every package that had a person on it. Out of 28 packages that featured a person, only three had men on it. Everything from soap, dishwashing liquid, laundry detergent, baby products, baking products, all with women on. So at eight years old, my daughter's seeing this and going, oh, domestic duties must be a, a woman's job. And yet women support these people. We need to get our radar up and look and listen out for these things. So when we hear the things like, you know, only a mother's love, maternal instinct, mother knows best, mother knows best isn't it it's practice makes progress 
So, you know, I was terrible at stuff, but I was terrified about being um, terrible at it. And I thought I was going to ruin this kid for life. Well, you know, I'm lucky I've got an easy kid, but it, you know, you get that little bit of confidence. It's like the first day in any new role, in any business, you start off not knowing, but we know that no amount of qualifications, university degrees or anything is as good as on-the-job training. You're, you're absolutely right. And now, you know, as one one more um, question I have, because this is the it's possible theme for this year's Canada's Career Month. Could you share, like out of all your quotes, maybe one it's possible quote for our um, viewers? Um, it's possible to completely change once you're prepared to forget about what others think of you. Um, one of the things when I speak to men, that's why I say, if you're not as you should be, as other people think you should be, how much does it matter? Now, as an employee, you're paid a certain amount per day, per week, per year to behave in a certain way for certain hours. So if I said to you, right, I'm going to give you $10,000 to dress a certain way, to act a certain way, behave a certain way, would you take it? And, you know, how much would you want? Well, how much would you want for one year? Well, how much would you want for the rest of your life? How much of you is authentic and how much is of what you think it should be? So you need to look deep within inside yourself and go, how much am I being programmed? How much am I paying attention to what others think? Because I simply can't understand or relate to the mindset that says, the most manly, virile and masculine thing I can do is to sire or father children. Yet if I want to stay home and nurture them and care with them and want nothing more than that, somehow that's a feminine or, you know, a masculating trait. And to those who don't agree with me, that's fine. But I've found what, what resonates with me and that's, you know, being with my daughter as much as I can. Wow, that that is just such a wonderful, you know, finish of our conversation. And I, I really appreciate that you came to share more of your insights and experiences um, to all of our listeners and viewers. And so thank you so much, Michael, for coming. Thank you, Karen. Love to talk to you. I really appreciated having Michael as my guest today and him talking about what impact becoming a parent later in life has had on his career and why it is so important, especially for dads, to get actively involved in parenting. To connect with Michael, I will be sure to put in the show notes all of the social media ways to find him. I will also put in the link to his book, Who Knew? And as we had mentioned, Michael was my podcast guest earlier this year, and I will put the episode link in the show notes as well. I look forward to sharing my third episode of the LinkedIn Live series, It's Possible as part of Canada's Career Month with you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. 
we would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.